This podcast is brought to you in part by Surewinder. Surewinder takes great pride in producing high-quality tools that keep you safe and make your life easier. Let them shoulder the burden of winding your springs with a power drill. Hey guys, before we get into the show, I need to let you know, not only do I own a garage door company, I also own and run a marketing agency. If you need help with your marketing, make sure you contact us at 404-445-3494 or check us out at garagedoormarketing.co. That's garagedoormarketing.co. Hey guys, what's going on? I've got Adam. How are you today, Adam? I'm great, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Uh, I want to just fill everybody in on, um, uh, uh, I guess, you a little bit. I'm going to do a little introduction. I feel like uh, you probably won't brag on yourself as much as I'll brag on you, so I just want to take a second tell everybody. Um, I, I met Adam through Facebook, and... Um, he has a uh, pretty, uh, I made a post uh, in a group about um, looking for some advice on how to structure your warehouse uh, for efficiency. And he shot me some photos and um, and I eventually just got to the point where like the conversation was impressive. So I wanted to go visit him and we flew up to Cincinnati uh, myself and Josh, my general manager, and uh, hung out with Adam and um he spoiled us, number one, so that was excellent. Uh, appreciate the dinner. And then number two, um, we got to see a pretty well-ran operation uh, that we were able to take back a lot of takeaways uh, to come back here, even more so than we anticipated, and it's made a huge impact in our business. So, Adam, I want to give you a couple updates uh, before we jump into our topic today. So uh, since we left there... Uh, we've got our, our warehouse is spotless. It's uh, well organized. We haven't had any success finding the uh, the green sewer pipe that you got for the vinyl trim storage. Um, but uh, we we're still looking for for a good alternative, and we have um, we have a solution that's working short term for us. Um, but the pallet racks uh, kind of. Uh, I don't know how you how you would describe it through a podcast, but you kind of have one almost up against the wall and then another one pulled out. And so you can stretch uh, torsion tubes, struts, things like that along there. We even stole your idea about the the uh, the arms uh, attached to the wall where we're stacking our, our torsion tubes and struts there as well. Um, so we, we uh, I need to send you some updated photos. But what's uh, really cool, Josh and I left... A&E door and window out in Cincinnati, uh, kind of shocked and embarrassed at the same time. Um, I am not the most formal person in the world, in case you guys haven't noticed. Uh, if it were up to me, I would wear uh, shorts. I'd probably come into my pajamas, to be honest with you, um, with some sliders on. And uh, I would probably take naps a couple times a day. Like, that's just, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I go hard, but I like to be comfortable and I don't, my appearance isn't as important. Um, but we, we came back here. I came back here embarrassed. Uh, Josh was like, I told you. Um, but you know, when we were at A&E, everyone had, you know, the same uniform and everything was very professional and a lot of attention to detail. And, um, and, and, and what was interesting was Adam is the owner of the company He's got many managers, but what was cool about it was he focused on the details. And I think f with his focus on the details, that made his guys, his managers focus on the details. And then that made his employees focus on the details. And then the big stuff just kind of works because that's the way it's supposed to. And uh, so when we got back here, we immediately started working on uniforms and brand pride and appearance and professionalism. And, um, Adam, I'll be proud to say we've all got uniforms that we wear every single day, including myself, cause that was the agreement I made with, with, uh, with Josh. And I no longer wear slides. 
um, or pajama looking clothes. Um, so, uh, you'll be proud of me. Uh, and it's made a huge difference. Uh, we also, another thing that we've been doing that I feel like is making a huge difference is we have, uh, daily huddles. Um, so we got this through a book that we just recently read. Um, and it suggested that we do like 15 minute daily huddles. So the team comes into the warehouse, we do a 15 minute meeting, um, we meet, we talk about yesterday's jobs, any issues that popped up, any parts that need to be ordered, today's, any great reviews we've gotten, and we just do it really quick. 15 minutes, they're gone. They're out. Um, well, anything else, we'll discuss tomorrow. Um, and that's been super helpful uh, for the whole team, and I think it's brought us together. So between all of those things, uh, huge improvement here at Aaron Overhead Doors, and, uh, and it all kind of started with our trip to Cincinnati. So... Uh, we're six, almost seven minutes in and Adam hasn't even had a, a chance to speak. So, uh, Adam, thank you for having us out. I appreciate that. No, oh, of course. We love uh, when people get to come visit because not only, uh, do you take it as input and help for you, we really look at it as input. We love to hear what other people are doing and, and implement some of the stuff you guys have done and your help with, you know, us looking at service Titan, uh, which I have another meeting with them today, which is like meeting 200, um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it, it was back and forth. It's certainly not a one-sided uh, relationship. We love to learn from other people, and uh, we always have room for improvement, uh, certainly every day. That's awesome. Well, uh, yeah, so uh, that's how, how we kind of got to know each other. Will you tell us a little bit about A&E Door? Um, and we're going to jump into a little bit about, like, the dealer and the supplier relationship what we should be looking for uh, as a dealer when we're looking at uh, suppliers and uh, what's the standard? What, how much is too much to expect? How much is too little? Uh, when do we start looking for new suppliers? Things like that. So we're going to discuss all that today, but I want to give um, Adam a chance to explain how A&E became a company and how he got involved. So uh, the company was started in 1980 uh, in my parents' backyard. Uh, so that's kind of that story there. Uh, my dad kind of moonlighted in the garage door industry. He was a bricklayer originally. That's kind of his his trade of specialty. And uh, got into the garage door industry and uh, started buying uh, uh, clopay garage doors right off the bat, and they would deliver them to our uh, house. So it's I would pull up on the road and the neighbors would jump out and they'd help take a few a few doors off and he'd put them in the back garage and then he'd you know he'd go out and, and install them and so kind of that's where it started just him by himself my mom kind of helped him from inside the house when she could and uh but she wasn't raising the three of us and um and so that's kind of that that was the start of it and then we kind of grew into our first showroom warehouse mostly just a warehouse uh and and 82 83 and then kind of continued to move and grow in, into the building. So, um, you know, started out just him, then another guy, you know, added a couple guys. Kind of the same story everyone talks about. You see on Facebook, you know, have one guy get a, get a little bit busier, need another guy, need somebody in the office possibly to answer phones. And you can't, you know, you can't answer phones, install the doors, and go out and do it all, you know, at the same time. So you're getting busier, start adding more people. Um that kind of brings us, you know, we, we buy a showroom kind of actually in 87, we bought the, sh the warehouse that we're, that we use our corporate office. Now it looks nothing like it does now. Uh, that building all inclusive was 20,000 square feet, including showroom, uh, warehousing and everything. Uh, and what we have now, obviously we built a year ago to, to be our mainstay corporate showroom. Um, is now over 50,000 square feet um, showroom and warehousing. And then uh, we have locations on the east side of town, which is another uh, 10,000 square foot facility. And then uh, another facility in Florence, Kentucky, uh, which we're actually getting ready to upgrade. We're in the process of building a new store down there. We're at 7,000 square feet down there, and we're moving to a – we're going to build – um, a about 17,000 square foot two-story uh, showroom and uh, warehouse down there to meet our needs down there for, uh, for how busy the Kentucky location has gotten over the last so 15 years or so we've been in Kentucky. So we're on our 40th anniversary 
Um, I got into the business after college. Uh, my dad's been involved with the International Door Association. He was part of the original Dota. Um, if anybody took the IDA classes and stuff, uh, you'll see back in the day, my dad was part of the uh, writing of the, um, the manuals for some of the tests for advertising. Um, he's been a big leader in the industry. You know, most of the guys will say he was one of the guys that helped invent really the advertising for the garage door company. Um, you know, we still continue to advertise a lot. Uh, you know, we, we budget anywhere from three to $500,000 a year in advertising. Um, and a lot of that came from him. So I went to college, um, did a little water skiing while I was down there. Thought that's what I was going to do the rest of my life. Uh, you know, those dreams quickly faded when I got injured and, graduated from college and realized that I wanted to get back into business with my dad and I wanted to be a part of it. Came back and I started at the ground uh, up. You know, he, he said, I don't care if you have a college degree, um, you know, you need to learn this business. And I had worked as a kid through high school and through college summer breaks and doing all this stuff. And he said, hey, uh, I got a nice job out there managing the warehouse. And he's like, you're going to love it. And so that he stuck me out in an office in the warehouse and uh, and I immediately found things that I wanted to change, but I was low man on totem pole. So my decisions and, and options and things were really kind of left to the wayside. I remember walking past the conference room that we used to have and seeing all the managers in there and I, I was excluded from that. It wasn't like I got to come in and sit in those meetings. I, you know, my input was brought up the chain of command and then I would get word that they're like, yeah, that idea sounds really good, but we're, we're not going to do it. <laughs> And so um, just kept pressing and doing the things and, you know, getting involved in anything I could with the business. If I thought something needed to be done and it, it was painting in the office. I, I was staying late and painting and, you know, organizing new ways to do things and new warehousing and how we were going to streamline our warehousing and our trucking and how we were going to load our trucks in the morning. Uh, and, and so I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and, and really kind of putting my, my foot into the door on things that I wanted to do. And, and finally, it got noticed. I got moved up to assistant general manager after a couple of years. Um, sat there, worked in that office, shared an office with another guy. Um, kind of just came the same thing. Kept putting in, putting in input, putting input. You know, didn't still wasn't invited in any of the management meetings. Uh, still was, you know, considered a low man on the totem pole. Um, you know, I got invited if they needed lunch. So they had to go get it and bring it to them. Um, and then about eight years ago, um, I had moved up a little bit more uh, in, into a management role, and then uh, I guess the managers agreed. Um, he brought them all in, and I was named the president of the company. That's about eight years ago now. Um, and right about the time we were in the middle of the recession, right? So he names me at a company Christmas party. There's about 200 people there. He names me president. kind of caught me off guard. Uh, it was one of those things like, hey, I know the economy is really terrible, but – good luck and kind of a pat on the back <laughs> and said, um, and you met him. So, you know, that's yeah, exactly know. how it went. Yeah. Um, he said, here you go. Here's the keys and figured out. And he hung around for the, for the first couple of years. He was right there with me, not necessarily, you know, he'd give me just enough leash to, to let me screw up. If I made a decision, I came in, I remember day one and I moved people around the office and everybody's like, Whoa, wait a minute. What's this guy doing? He's changing jobs and, 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 you know, things kind of blossomed and the company really took off. And we, uh, you know, we had obviously everybody in the economy had seen a turn down, right? And we had seen a pretty big turn down. Um, but we have had substantial growth over the last eight years. And a lot of it has to do with the economy and the leadership that my dad, you know, had given me to kind of take the reins. You know, that's tough for a guy who starts the business and to really let go, right? So I owe a lot to him to let you know, to let me fail and to make these mistakes. And uh, over the last three years, uh, my mom passed away and got sick kind of out of the blue at a young age. And so my dad took a real step back from the company. And now he's, we built this new office and he loves his corporate, you know, he almost says it's too big for him. He's like, I get lost, you know, trying to find the bathroom. And, um, but he comes in, you know, once a week, twice a week on his way to the golf course and says hi. And, you know, he's still, you know, we still look for him for advice when it comes to, you know, lending money if we need it. We sometimes try to go through him, and but he's there for us, and so that that has helped us. But like I said, we we really started focusing on getting good managers in. We had some people that have been with my dad for a long time, and we've kept those people and 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 really used them as our nucleus, and then brought some younger minds in, and uh, so it has allowed me to focus on the growth of the business. Right, 
um, building new buildings, and, and, and we started a new uh, distribution center uh, that's not in this facility that's located not here. It's a tri-state door of Cincinnati um, because we wanted to get a little bit more of, of the pie, right? We, we found we were installing as much as we could, but what could we do to, to, to supply to the people who, who are buying garage doors from us? And, and, and stuff like that. So it was, uh, for us, it worked out. You know, we opened that up about a year and a half ago. Uh, it's really starting to take off and it's kind of a baby of ours. And we also own a, a hollow metal company, which is just a smaller, really we needed a need for AE. And so we uh, bought in some product and owned United Door Group, which um, does hollow metal product and then sells around the country and, and really is a supplier to AE. So for us, it was, it was a need. So we started another company to su- suffice that need that we had. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how I got in the business and, and where I stand today. Um, you know, so at, now I get to kind of see the company at 50,000 feet and I have those managers, uh, you know, at that 25,000 foot level, really kind of getting the focus on the business and allowing me to, to help us navigate growing and, and adding more locations and, and adding more, you know, personnel, you know, we're up to about 90 people now, uh, throughout the three buildings, not including Tri-State and United Door Group. There are some separate companies, but, um, you know, it's been fun. It's been, you know, it's getting exciting. You know, you, you this uh, 2020 has been a challenge, right, I think for everyone. Right. So it's been uh, been quite the year, really. Uh, out of the eight years I've been taking over the company, um, you know, in the beginning, trying to get us out of that recession was tough, but really this has been one of those years that, you know, we're busy. And so it's, it's a great thing. I think like everyone first finding the right personnel to, to do the job is, has been tough, but uh, really, you know, just trying to, to manage what's going on with this country every other day, it seems like something new, a new mask mandate. And uh, so it's, it's been a, quite the challenge, but it's been fun. I think uh, 2021 has got to be better than, than, than 2020 for sure. So we look forward to the future and, you know, we look forward to, to getting into a new year and hopefully seeing the world go back to what I guess is a little bit more normal. I'm, I'm kind of over the new norm that everyone keeps talking about. Right. I'm not willing to accept the new norm yet. Yeah. I, I'm the, I guess the new norm consists of delayed shipments on doors and broken promises to customers uh, for me lately. So that's, uh, it's been tough. Um, so thanks for the, the background because I, I think, um, I think it's a really cool story. Uh, I think that anytime you take over a business for your parents, um, I think the perception is that maybe it was gifted to you after being up there and meeting your father and meeting you and spending some time. He's probably the last person that I would think would make it easy on you. <laughs> Just to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it almost would have been easier line. not to be your son, his son and get that yeah. position. So, um, just after spending time with him, um, he, he's a little bit of a tough guy and, uh, he's got a great sense of humor and he's going to tell you exactly what he thinks. Uh, yeah, no he, beating around he's the bush. never been one to be shy for what he's thinking or what, you know, we joke all the time. He'll still tell me stuff, you know, he'll call me at home and, you know, he'll ask me, what were you doing? He still thinks that, you know, if you're sitting around watching TV at any given time of the day, you're, you're being lazy, off. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you're just not working hard enough. So That's awesome. yeah, he still at, at this age, and I'm like, you know, I, I have teenage kids that, you know, I don't, I do get to sit down every once in a while. He's yeah, like, yeah. right. But couldn't you be doing something else? So. <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, I enjoyed hanging out with him. He was fun. And, um, we, uh, one thing that we, we took away, we were, we were in the process of talking to, uh, Clope and, um, and so I think Adam kind of helped us really feel more comfortable with that jump because it was a big jump for us. We were, we were pretty much, um, going from one manufacturer where we sent probably 80, 85% of our business to, and we were shifting that 80 or 85,000 or 80, 85% of our business to a new manufacturer. We were going from buying from local DCs to uh, having it shipped direct. And and that made a huge difference. I mean, our operations run significantly smoother. Um, I, I would strongly recommend if you are in a position to be able to buy direct uh, from a manufacturer that I feel like that would definitely be the way to go. 
Um, if, if I have any regrets, it was probably not doing it sooner. Um, we just weren't set up for it. We didn't have the dock. Um, so now we have three uh, loading docks and uh, trucks can pull up and we can easily load them and unload them. Uh, we, we leased a forklift. Um, actually, I think we bought it. Um, we bought the forklift. They were trying to get us to lease it. Um, and I, I felt like that was a, a win. Um, and so it was not very expensive. Um, so I'm, I'm, I feel like this was the right way to go. Even setting up the warehouse was significantly less than we had originally thought. Uh, a lot of that thinks goes to Adam. Um, you know, we, we were able to find new ways to be able to store equipment, product, things like that, uh, at a more reasonable rate than we had kind of anticipated on how we were going to do it. Uh, but knowledge is key. And, um, and I believe, you know, uh, picking people's brains who's already done it before is valuable and um, it'll save you a lot of money and heartache. So that's why I travel to other companies uh, occasionally to learn from them so that I don't spend unnecessary funds and have heartache. Um, so I appreciate that, Adam. I'd like to talk a little bit about our uh, vendor partners and relationships. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't necessarily have to talk about Clopay. And I know you buy LiftMaster Direct. Um, we don't have to talk about them specifically. But what I would like to talk about is, you know, if you're a dealer, um, you know, I almost feel like sometimes um, we we get comfortable, right? And there's I've seen a lot of posts on Facebook where somebody asks, like, what's the top brand? Uh, you know, garage door, you're going to have like a all out battle. Right. And everybody's convinced that the brand that they sell and install is the best brand. Um, and then, you know, you, you just have a lot of, uh, uh, uncertainties. I personally think I install eight, nine different brands, not a huge difference, just to be honest, uh, other than style, uh, a few small things, just not a bit. I mean, they're garage doors, so you got sections. You know, if the sections aren't coming apart, <laughs> and I mean, we sell a lot of three-layer doors, so uh, we've had some doors like unravel on us from certain manufacturers. Um, but you know, outside of that, all the sections are within reason. They're they're going to last a long time if you take care of the the components that hold it together. Um, so I think the components uh, that hold it together are as important or more important than the door sections themselves. And then the relationship uh, with the vendor, what would you say, what do you value most uh, when you're trying to select a supplier for a product? Maybe it's doors or motors or whatever. Um, what are you looking for? What's most important to you? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of factors in that that you, know, you got to weigh into. I know when we talk to other suppliers, like you said, we're, we're pretty dominant with some of our suppliers, but, um, you know, I want to make sure that there's a relationship, right? You know, it's not just I buy something from you and then you in return give it to me. It's got to be more than that, right? We got to have a relationship. I got to, we got to be able to pick up the phone and, and get a hold of you. And I got to feel like in some sense that the supplier is working for me. Right, because I'm supplying their product. What are, what are they What are they here to help me do? Um, how's the rep? Uh, are, is the rep hands on? You know, I don't need somebody who kind of just. This isn't a George Foreman. We're not just setting it and forgetting it, right? So we we need to be able to really dive into your business. And and, and I think with a lot of people, don't be afraid to ask. Uh, if I do this, can you give me that? If I get here, do that. I think everyone needs a goal, right? whether it's the, the installers and the warehouse guys down, you know, in the warehouse putting up the product and how they're putting it away and how it comes to them. So it is, how is their life going to be when it comes off the truck, right? Are, are we making more work for those guys all the way up to, to me, um, who's got to, you know, sign the checks and, and pay for it. What, how are they all the way through that process? Do they care about the way their loads come in? Do they care, you know, about how it's stacked on the truck? How do they put carts on? Those kind of things, I think, are always part of it. And for me, it's really wanting to know, 
if I have a goal, if I can get here or I buy this much, will you protect this? You know, will you protect me in an area? Or are you going to open up everybody you can in my area and you're just going to flood my market? Um, are you willing to do um, private labeling? We ask all the time uh, when we talk to different operators, you know, suppliers. If I do this or if I purchase this, would you consider private labeling for me? Um, for us, that's a big deal. Not everybody's going to think about private labeling, and it may not be a concern. If you're, you know, it's all based on on where you want to be and, and and what feels important to you. And for those are the kind of things, for me, when I talk to a supplier, is is are you going to be a partner, right? Are you all in with me? You know, I don't want you know just somebody who's like, yeah, I can sell you some product, and I stop by once every two or three months, or I give you a call. You know, I've always been really big on knowing my um, manager from that my you know, product manager and are they coming in? Are they teaching our salespeople? Are they more engaged with them? Are they walking around asking, Hey, what can we do better? Uh, right now we have some really good ones for us from our suppliers that are really, really helped us, you know, to really elevate the game. And I think people take for granted, those people can really elevate you and your, your team. Uh, they're answering the questions for you. It's not just always, you know, your salespeople come to you, ask you a question, then you got to go find an answer you have an engaged person uh, from your sales rep and they come in here and they're willing to sit down with your people and really get to know you uh, and get to know your staff and know them by name and want to sit and talk to them. That goes a long ways for me. You know, is that, are we, are we a team? We, we got to be a team because it can't be all one-sided. It can't be, I do all the work and you just supply me products and then it doesn't work that way. I don't know if there's a problem. Are you jumping in and getting involved and helping get it taken care of? Are we missing something? If I order powder coated track, and it only comes half powder coated and the other half's not. What kind of hoops are you jumping through to make this right? Right. You know, I'm not necessarily saying you got to be in here writing checks all day long, but are you actively engaged in trying to find out, you know, what's going to go on? So for me, I think a relationship is a really big part, you know, and, and mm -hmm. that I'm just not a number on a board, right? That they know the name of the company and they know who works there and who's the, who's the vice president of sales, who's the vice president, who's the general manager. They bet those things better. You better be pretty well aware of who those people are, or you're probably not going to be a good fit for us because we, we treat all of our staff like family and we treat our, you know, our customers like they're our friends and family. So I, I expect a lot out of our suppliers. So for me, that's a, that's a big thing. I think the key word that you said there is that you expect a lot. And I think for so many that have grown up in this business, I think the standards have been lowered, right? Um, oh yeah. And, and we've allowed suppliers to kind of have this, you know, Hey, if you want to sell my product, you know, I'll chat with you and see if you're a good fit. Um, which is, which is fine if that's the approach you want to take. Um, but there's, there's, I think a lot of the suppliers when I first got started, uh, didn't take me seriously. Um, you know, and, and the one thing I learned, I sold cars for a little while in my early twenties. And, uh, you know, my general sales manager used to always tell me, he said, Ryan, the least likely will bring you the biggest commissions. And I, I didn't understand it fully until years later when I'm walking out, uh, to, to introduce myself to a gentleman who pulled up in an old raggedy truck, got out in overalls, and I didn't know it, but he had 15 grand cash for his daughter's car in his overalls and didn't negotiate and didn't gave me like a $200 cash tip. And nobody wanted to talk to him. And I didn't have a problem. I went out there and, and chatted with him and, and I learned a lesson that day. Thankfully, it was one that paid me twice, one in cash and one with knowledge. And I don't like lessons learned Um you know, where, where it's costing me cash and gaining me knowledge because there's been plenty of those. But for suppliers, the, the you know, I've been on the vendor side selling to auto dealers and multifamily. And, I mean, I don't know I would ever get away with some of the stuff that goes on, the expectations and the lack of communication, um, you know, the, the constant mistakes, um, it's just hard. Uh, it, it, you know, it's hard understanding how some of these businesses are thriving, um, and, and still producing 
a lackluster experience for dealers. And I think, you know, dealers on the flip side of that, right? Like they've got to do a better job too. Um, you know, overall, they got to be good partners well, with their vendors because I hear so yeah, many times suppliers the, complain that dealers are yelling at them or, you know, things are out of their control and they're the rep and we're killing the messenger. You know, that, that's a problem too. Somer is a European-based garage door opener manufacturer who has recently opened Somer USA out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Serving more than 90 countries worldwide, with our 40 years of experience, Somer produces one of the highest quality openers on the market. Combining German engineering and manufacturing, Somer uses direct drive technology to make their openers and opener accessories durable, long-lasting, quiet, and with the maximum lifting force. Further, Somer has earned both IDA and DASMA certifications by maintaining the quality and innovation standards set in place by national and international garage door associations. Maintaining these standards has allowed Somer to create the most versatile operator on the market, featuring unique optimization and diagnostic tools to make their operator perfect for every job and every customer. For more information on Somer operators, visit somer USA.com. That's S O M M E R USA.com or contact their Charlotte office at 877 766 6607. It's no secret that I bring on advertisers of products that I use and love. I love it when I sign up for a service and feel good about it before, during, and after. Service Titan has made our customer experience significantly better. We use automated messages to go out to our customers to streamline communication. Our customers love the fact that they can text in and we know who they are by name. All communication between our customers via call text is attached to their customer account so text can review it prior to arriving to a job. I love the campaign source report. It tells me which marketing campaigns are working. My favorite feature is the new marketing feature that allows me to set up drip campaigns and email our customers based on what they bought or didn't buy from us. Check out Service Titan at servicetitan.com forward slash torsion for your free demo. Right. I think I think you nailed it right on the head there is when I think if you, you know, people are going to take this wrong. You know, I don't think going to Facebook necessarily is the way to, to to you know you know to complain about a supplier right that 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 doesn't that doesn't elevate our game right we all talk about how we want to make more money right we want to we want to we deserve to be treated higher right i tell our staff all the time if, if you ever had an air conditioning company come to your house for the most part those guys are always perfectly in uniform right they have their computer on their truck they put their booties on when they go in the house they do all the right things right the trucks are always clean and they do stuff. And I understand that we're in a field where we can go into new construction a lot, and, and but they do the same thing. And I feel like if we want to hold our suppliers to an even higher level in expectations, I think a lot of it kind of has to start with us too, right? Make sure we're holding ourselves to a higher expectations on how we handle the product, how we do everything, uh, and how we promote it. Uh, that's why, you know, for us, uniforms are important, clean trucks and salespeople and all wrapped vehicles. And we pay for the car washes. Uh, we, and we expect them to get them washed once a week. We expect them to go out and do those things and keep their trucks clean. Um, and I think then you're, when you go back to your suppliers and you can say, Hey, I'm doing all of these things to promote your product and to have it nicely displayed in my showroom. I spent the money to have it in my showroom. You know, you know, our corporate office here has a and has a twelve thousand square foot showroom. You know, those things. And I'm not saying everyone's going to go out and you know build a twelve thousand square foot showroom, but I think, you know, when you come in, they, you present yourself and you have the knowledge and you understand the product and you can speak to them. I think that goes a long way, right? And then you can really hold your suppliers to those expectations. You know, yeah. It, it starts too. You know, how do you pay your bills? Do you take the discounts? Do you are you are you taking advantage of all the things that these suppliers offer you? I know for us, we that's a number one goal that my dad instilled in me and I instill in our staff now is is that you have to make sure you have the capital to pay your bills. So we pay every bill within ten days, no matter what across the board. Uh, and that discount can come out some years. That's that's the pay for two to three employees. Yeah. You know, if you're paying all these bills and you're taking the discount and you're and you're on top of it 
Now, if you have a missed payment and you are you're a little late on something, you know, things happen, but don't let it get to the point where the the supplier has to come to you to remind you that you're late, right? right? Pick up the phone and call them, every one of them, just like we would, just like you would as a, as a businessman. If you're doing it for a builder and the guy owes you $75,000 and he's going to miss his terms, if he picks up the phone and calls and says, here's the deal, here's what's going on, I got this, the bank's got to do this, 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 I'm going to get you, but it's not going to be all in full. Okay. I'll work with you. Let's yep. work out a I'm deal. Hey, you know what? Let's do every 15 days until we get it paid off. But do those kind of things. And I think you get a reputation in the industry. Then when you go to IDA, guys will say, you know, wear your uniform, you know, wear a golf shirt, go to the booth. Guys will say, we want to do business with this guy. Cause you get that reputation where they pay their bills. right. They do the right things. They're promoting the business. Their advertising is clean. Um, their trucks, got a good solid message on them uh, you know for me that's one of the things that you know i don't always put my suppliers on my truck i'm sure they would love to see our brand their brand on our trucks we don't do it we I do it on do our big either. commercial uh semis that deliver between the, the showroom and your different offices but we don't do it on um our our trucks because we're not necessarily selling their brand we're selling ourselves our we're selling a doors but inside our showrooms, it's very evident. And on our commercials and our TV and radio, it's evident what company suppliers we use. But on our trucks, I didn't want to take away from us, the company. Um, so all of our sales vehicles all have just our company logos and our sayings and our brand. Um, and so we wanted that to kind of stay the same. But I think the big key factor is this really – Put yourself out there, be well known in the industry, and then you can expect more from your suppliers, right? I think we need to hold them to a higher standard, but we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard so that we can all make more money. We all deserve to make more money. This is a this is a great trade, and and, and it shouldn't be on the back burner. You know, we we make a really big point here to say, hey, we sell your front door, your garage door. They're the biggest openings in your house. We have windows, but um, you know, we want to make sure that you know you love it. And I tell our salespeople, hey. If the customer wants the most, you know, if the, if the door costs more than the house and that's what they want, then that's what you sell them. Right. And, you know, you, you, so you, if that's what, you know, you got to listen to the customer and what they want, and then you got to give them advice to give them to what, what they want to sell, you know, what they need and what's going to look good on their house. But I think with your suppliers, really, I think right now with the amount of volume we're all doing, yeah, we're seeing more and more issues, right? I think everyone across the board, I think whether you're a, you're a hundred thousand dollar, uh, you know, dealer or you're a 12 to 15 to 18 to $20 million dealer, we're all seeing the same issues. This isn't any different, right. For anybody across the board. Um, I think they're, I think the dealers are, are trying to, are the suppliers trying to do their best, but I think it's okay. If, if you're doing everything you think is right, then I think it's okay to hold them to a higher expectation uh, to really tell them, Hey, this is what I want. I can't, this is unacceptable. I'm not accept this. We're going to, you're going to have to fix this and make it right. I'm going to hold your ground. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree. So let's say you're getting started. You're a young company, right? And, and maybe I can speak to this more than you. I don't know. Um, and you, and you don't have a lot of revenue and, um, you're trying to pitch, uh, manufacturers on allowing you to sell their product and try to get some aggressive or, or, um, some competitive pricing. You know, a couple things that I can think of is, is like you said, I mean, I think presentation is, is, you know, everything. Uh, I remember one time I was young, uh, got a job offer down in Miami. They were paying big money and, um, I liked the idea of going down there for a short term contract. And I went down there, they flew me down for kind of like, they wanted me to work for a couple of days and hang out and see how I liked it. And I'm such a fast paced person. Like I'm, I'm just hundred percent go all the time while I'm working. And I, uh, I remember the, the, the manager, the owner or whatever, pulling me aside. And he like the first day, he's like, I can already tell I like you. What's it going to take? And he, I was like, man, just throw out an offer. You know, we'll start from there. And, um, we, we negotiated an incredible deal and I moved down to Miami for a little while and, and ran a store down there and it was, um, it was great. But what I learned from that, 
later was he was so impressed by my work ethic and my professionalism, believe it or not, and how fast I was going that um, he saw value in me before I was ever able to deliver results. And I think in our industry, as we talked about earlier, you know, part of the advantage of being professional and having you know the, the uniforms and the trucks and everything is that so many companies aren't willing to invest the money to make that happen. And when you do invest in that, you're not just showing your, your customers that you're professional, you're showing your, your suppliers that you're professional as well. And I think perception is reality in a lot of cases. And if you walk in, you say, hey, look, here's my plan. Here, I know I'm not going to produce a ton of sales right now, but I have a strategy. Here's my plan over the next 12 and 24 months. You know, I've got a truck. Let me show you. And, and he, you know, here's my uniform and, and really go after it. Maybe you don't have all those things starting out, but if you have a well laid out plan and you're professional and you strategize and you get a chance to pitch that, I think you got a much better chance than just walking in and signing up and, and getting good pricing. And, you know, people I've heard from multiple vendors when we started after about a year in that we were on a couple lists of up and coming dealers by local DCs and they started calling us. And I mean, that was a huge compliment to me. I, I liked that, right? I like being on lists, especially going in the right direction. So I think that's part of it. I think what you hit on there is absolutely 100% right. Any other suggestions that you would throw out there for a young dealer uh, looking for a supplier, how to get them to really recognize you and, and maybe give you some advantages? Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, you hit a lot of that, you know, perfectly. And I think, you know, going into your DCs and really, you know, if you say you're going to come in and get something and you're going to do it, then be there when you say you're going to be there, right? Because, you know, I always say do something like someone's watching, you know, all the time. So, Integrity. you know, if, you, if you're going to hang the door, make sure, so, you know, it's someone's watching. New construction, just because it's new construction, make sure it's perfect. Um, but if you go to these DCs, because a lot of, that's where a lot of the guys get started. I know I see it over at ours, and um, you see these guys, hey, I'm going to come in at 8 o'clock tomorrow morning and pick up that door. Or, hey, can you open up early? We all hear from my managers over there saying, can you open up early at 7 o'clock on a Saturday? I want to come get a door. And then you roll in at 9.30. Well, people are like, hey, you know, I got here early to make sure you got, you know, your product. Well, yeah, it was a late night. Well, you know, that can't happen, right? You know, you need to. You need to get in there and, 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 and hold true or call and say, hey, here's the deal. I'm, I'm running a little late. I got stuck on something or, or whatever. Communication is the key to everything, right. right? Nobody gets mad. It's only when people have to go dig for information from you uh, is when they're frustrated, right? If you openly give up information, then people are more susceptible to say, okay, you know, hey, guy was open up about what happened. And, and so now I know what's going on. And so I think like you said, have an open laid plan with your, with your supplier that you want to do business with um, and show them if it's, if all you have is a single car garage with a little office in it, and that's what you're working out of, then when you, when you ask to see a supplier to come to you, then make sure that, that that's, it's organized and clean. And, you know, you're, you're, you know, that you have it set up and presentable, um, you know, put your best foot forward. And I think that goes a long way and, and have it laid out and, and ask them for help. Don't, don't be afraid to ask um, people for help. I do it all the time. You did it. Um, I've seen some of the best dealers in the country that I know. I call them all the time uh, and ask them, "Hey, how would you do this?" Or I send them an email. Here's what I've got going on. How would you? How would you go about this? Uh, you know, just because you might be uh, in the top five percent of of something as a dealer, uh, doesn't mean that you can't learn something, right? So I'm constantly asking my suppliers for, "Hey, can we go here? Can we come to training?" Can I send them to training? You know, find out if they're willing to pay for you to come to training, right? Don't don't offer to pay for it right away. Let's see if they'll bring you on board. You know, some of the, a lot of these manufacturers are putting in training centers, not just for salespeople, but for installers. Is what is the same way. Right. So ask to go to those things. See if you can be a part of it. Go to anything that you can to help you do it. You know, guys will talk about it. You know, it's it's good to see a lot of guys talking about. Um, IDA more, you know, I'm, I've been going to IDA for the last say, 16 years. Uh, and I went a couple of times when I was younger. Uh, but you know, a lot of these younger guys are finally starting to really get involved and see what it's about. 
Um, and it's not necessarily that you're going there and you're going to walk through the show and you're going to make all these, you know, you're going to figure out everything you need to know. A lot of it, I told people all the time, I learn more uh, sitting at a bar, you know, afterwards or a dinner, you know, ask dealers. People do that with us all the time and we do it with, and, and vice versa. People will come into IDA and say to us, hey, man, I'd love to catch you for a dinner. Or I'd love to catch you for a coffee. And, you know, Tommy Puma travels with me a lot. He's our vice president of sales. And uh, he'll say, I didn't see you. I'm like, well, I've got meetings, you know, lined up with all these different <laughs> suppliers and different different people around the, the, the country. And I want to sit and talk to them about what are their best practices? What are they doing? What's working? What's not working? You know, how do we pay salespeople? People ask us that all the time. How do you pay your commercial salespeople? How do you pay your builder? How do you pay your residential? And I think uh, that that's a that's a big thing, right? So, you know, find out those things so that when you go to your suppliers and you want to talk to them, that you hey that you know you have some open you're open to ideas, right? They they've seen a lot. Don't be afraid to learn from your suppliers. You know, once you get in with one, because they go and see everyone, right? So you get a good manager, and you get to get to know people. I use Chad Riffle as an example for Clope. Uh, Chad and I have been friends for a long time. He started out as a rep for my dad. Um, so he's been around for over 30 years. And um, I learn from him all the time. I call him all the time and ask him questions. And, and vice versa, he'll call me and say, hey, what were you doing during the pandemic? How are you handling your showrooms? And so we gave him some of the things that we were doing. But in return, I'm getting a lot of wealth and knowledge from him. So use your suppliers once you get in with one and learn from them. They'll tell you what they're seeing. Hey, I saw this at a person's show or it was awesome or their salespeople are doing this or they're using service Titan or, you know, or, or stay win or, you know, what, whatever it is, you really can learn a lot. You know, I right. think Facebook has done that for a lot of guys, um, you know, to find, to help find suppliers. And like you said, you can go on Facebook and I could put who's their best supplier right now. And it'd be like a cat fight on there. <laughs> right. right. Cause everyone, thinks that they're the best but they should be if you're locked in with a supplier then you should fight for them right yeah i mean I, it's the same old story when when you were in high school or you know grade school and you played for your baseball team or your football team you believe they were the best right because you were on it and you gave everything you had for them well it should be the same way if you have a supplier and um and you have that you you should be with them 100 percent. because if you don't feel like you can go to bat with them and, and then, then maybe they aren't the right supplier for you. And I tell our, our installers all the time, and, uh, you know, I don't want to see on Facebook something goes wrong, you posting a picture and complaining about one of our suppliers. So that's not what we do here. You come to me, and we'll figure it out. But we need to feel like when we go into battle that our suppliers are going to go in there with us. If I don't feel like I can back my supplier 100% in a fight, then I probably shouldn't be selling their product. And, and vice versa, I would hope that they feel the same way about us. That if there's a fight, you know, we're standing right there next to them, not behind them, you know, not in the other room, but right there next to them to go to go to fight with. Them. Some reason I and feel so, like you would be in front. I'm sorry. I said for some reason I felt like you would actually be in front. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just hanging out maybe, with you for a little bit. But it, you know, that's kind of for me. That's you know, I would you know, I want to make sure that every supplier we have, you know, feels like that. I'm I'm their best customer and they're my best supplier right that it, yeah i may not be their biggest but i'm willing to give 110 percent to be to prove that you know that's where i am and and everyone's going to make mistakes every supplier is going to make yeah. mistakes right this isn't it, nobody's perfect right we're, we're not perfect i don't nobody makes it goes out and for years has every install goes perfect right and if they if they tell you they are they're, they're lying to you because there are variables that come in and get involved that that, that don't allow that to happen and so, um, for me, that's what I would say is if I was young and, and getting into this and, and really starting to, to start a company is, is, you know, just be the, be show of the best presentation that you can and really prove them that you want to do this. Right. You know, and nobody's gotten into this industry thinking, oh, I'm going to kind of half ass it. That's, that's right. not what we're doing. Right. Where everybody's getting in it because you got bills to pay and you got to make money. You know, this isn't, there, there might be a few people out there who are doing this for fun, but. Uh, they're, you know, you can hold them all in one hand. I'm sure the rest of us have, there's a reason for this, right? We're here to, to, to make money and to earn money and to put money in our employees' pockets and have a sustainable business that's supportive to our community. And so that's kind of where, where we stand with it. So I want to ask you, 
because we had some conversation while we were out there and for for small dealers or large dealers doesn't matter uh, tell me a little bit about the philosophy behind um, you guys starting the 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 showroom what's that done for your business and how do you manage it with like random walk-ins and stuff okay so we have three showrooms across the tri-state so we because of i'm assuming everyone knows where cincinnati is and if you don't cincinnati sits on the border of the ohio river so we have ohio indiana and kentucky right so we sit some of our trucks can cross the border two or three times a day um we have installation trucks out of the locations but um some cincinnati guys have to go into kentucky kentucky guys have to go into indiana and then you know vice versa so and we're all kind of circling around the 275 loop. We love the 275 loop because our guys wear it out. And, um, but we, when we originally had the showrooms, you know, for us to have a showroom is, is a key factor, right? So all three of ours are fully staffed showrooms with parts departments. Uh, and we get walk-ins, you know, like yesterday, prime example, I, I got a, a message from our internal messaging and they said, God, our showroom is booming. And I can see it from my office. So, I overlooked. I talked to a couple of our other managers from other stores, and I said, "Hey, how are you?" They said, "Yeah, sun came out. Everyone's coming in the showrooms." And um, when we are designing our new ones, we built them. Um, our sales staff have um, laptops, but they also have large monitors they can face towards the the, uh, the customer. And for us, that's been a huge success because the customer loves to be able to come in and build the door, right? They can build an entry door. They can build a garage door and really see it happening. Um, we try to have uh, almost everything in the showroom, um, but you can't. You know, Not everybody's going to have to be able to build a showroom that big. So I think the digital screens are, is a huge plus, right? Now that we can build doors, you don't have to have everything. I suggest you have every color sample, but you don't have to have every model. We right. try to have a lot of them because we have the space. Um, but for us, I can't imagine having someone come in to buy a garage door that's going to be five, six, seven, eight, ten thousand dollars and not be able to see it and touch it and feel it. Same way goes for entry doors. Entry doors are a big, you know, ticket price. And for someone not to be able to come in and walk through one, I can't imagine. Uh, I don't know many people who just randomly buy a car without going and touching and feeling it and seeing it right but because garage doors and windows and entry doors people are kind of to me they don't really know a lot about right you can know a lot about a car and not own a certain model right you can know right. a lot about corvettes and not actually own one because you because you just you like to know about it most people don't know a lot about garage doors so having a showroom gives us the opportunity to really teach them to see it functioning i say if you can have a functioning door in your showroom do it because that's a huge piece. People want to see how it works. Um, we have a, a house built in all of our showrooms, and it's got shingles, and it's got awnings coming out of it, and it's got garage work. It has two operating garage doors, but we show one with a build-down, so we have it wrapped um, complete. On the left side of it looks complete. The right side shows it all the way down to the studs, and so we show a customer, how are we going to do a build-down? If we need to do a build-down, this is how it's going to look on your house, and then this is the left side of the door. This is how it's going to look when it's complete. And people really get to understand that, okay, now they know it's not just, you know, stacking two by fours and running, you know, 16 penny nails into them and then wrapping it. You know, there's, there's, there's quite the process to it to really make sure that it, it's functioning properly for them. And so for us, we have a front receptionist at every location. Someone walks in and then I rotate our sales staff. So they work their own schedule and they, um, they have to go through. So, um, in Eastgate, they have a, it's uh, 10 to 2 and then 2 to 5 out there because they don't have as many in here, and they rotate throughout the day. So each day you might have morning and you have afternoon. So um, 8 to 10 is kind of open. Every person, every salesperson is coming to the office either to get their vehicle or if they drive them home. There's you can either We have either option uh, depending on your sales, however you want to get your vehicle or if you take it home with you. And um, from 8 to 10, it's kind of open. Everyone's here, right? They're getting their day set up, and they're gathering all their stuff to go out. And then, like I said, that 10 to 2 and then 2 to 5. So we always have a representation that every location is there. And then we always have a parts person at each store. Um, and then, you know, for us here at corporate office, there's, you know, there's 37 of us in the building uh, on any given day, you know, rotating in and out with salespeople. And because there's commercial and builder 
uh, in all of those locations too. So they'll help out. Uh, nobody's uh, warranted to not come in and help. So if you, even if you're a builder salesperson, uh, if everyone else has to run out, then you know they'll cover the showroom because they help cover Saturday. So every Saturday, I have two salespeople in our two larger offices and one in our smaller uh, showroom. Uh, but we always they just rotate and we're on a calendar and you know it's eight uh, eight thirty to one on Saturdays. But for us to have a showroom for people to be able to touch and feel it is a must. Right. People around and at least where we are from, people love to come in and see the doors, touch them, feel them, look at the colors uh, and really get an idea of what they're buying. And then to be able to go and sit with a salesperson in a glass in cubicle where they can see how the door is being built. They want to send us a picture. We'll build it on their house for them. And that has really increased the amount of time people spend in our showroom. Uh, we used to, to monitor how long. And when a person would come into the showroom, you, you would get them eight to 12 minutes. That was kind of the norm, right? They're in here. They get a brochure. They go to the literature rack. We show them. They go leave. We give them a sample, and then we set up an estimate to come to their house. That was it, and which was fine. We'd go to their house, and then we do the finish the sales pitch there. And um, so, but what we found with the new the new design areas where they have these new um, offices where they can come in and and really part of that design center. People were spending, we're having more of closer to that 20 to 5 to 40 minute intervals where people are coming in actually sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to go get a, a water from the lounge. We have a customer lounge. I'm going to go get a water or a soda or popcorn or candy, and they're going to come back and sit in that office with that salesperson. And they really get to see the door being built. And what we found is it's an upsell, right? They're getting to walk out of the showroom, touch and feel that door, walk back to the desk, sit down. Okay, yeah, I really did like that. Let's add that. Or I like that hardware. Let's change that. And then they go in and they hear an operator run, and then we can show them the camera. Okay, yeah, that's the one I want. They walk out in the showroom. They look at it. They go back. Let's add that to the quote. And the next thing you know, a customer who came in and was going to spend $1,700 is leaving here at $3,600, right? And we've we've really implemented the prepay in full for the, for the biggest discount. So not only did they come in here, um, they're coming in writing a check, and then the, the salesperson saying, "Okay, why well, need to come out and do a site check?" Okay, great. Um, they have a rapport with that person now. I'm actually not going to be there. Uh, my son or daughter is going to be there, or I can give you a code to get in. Right. And so great, I'll come in, I'll get all my measurements, take my pictures, and I'll leave. And uh, and they're going to go. And hey, by their way, if you're there, we can talk about you know if you want an awning or anything like that. Okay, great. That would be great. And we have the sales folders that we leave behind with all their information, what they ordered and brochures of everything that we kind of have. Uh, and we leave that at their house that they, so they can keep that. But the showroom for us uh, is a must. And I, you know, I tell people all the time, if you have the capability, whether it's just a little tiny showroom or it's, you know, it's a 20,000 square foot showroom, make sure you have it. Uh, if it just means you got to put samples on the wall, Right, and you gotta stack them up, and you make them look uh, neat with a little rack, and you line them all across, and you have all your stuff. Then do it, because people really want to come in and, and and see and feel that. You know, that brick and mortar building means a lot. You know, we go against people all the time that'll say, "Well, they don't have a showroom." Okay, well, if you don't have a showroom, you know, our thing is, well, are you sure they're still gonna be here when you need them? We didn't build this building to up and leave tomorrow. Right, and so our salespeople really push that, and that's really helped with the prepay in full. Uh, customers are doing it. We're about eighty percent now prepay in full, and customers are saying, "Yeah, our salespeople are being able to promote the fact that, hey, you came into our showroom, you saw it. You know, they're not. We're not leaving. We're not going anywhere. We've invested in our community, and we're here to stay. And so people feel comfortable. You know, you don't go into Home Depot and not prepay in full. You don't ever get to tell the person at Home Depot, "Well, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to wait." I'm going to take this, this uh, stain home. I'm going to stain it, and then I'll come back and pay you later. That doesn't happen, right? So because you feel comfortable knowing that Home Depot is not going anywhere. They didn't build that big building, and they're not up and leaving tomorrow. And so I think anytime you can have a showroom and do those things, that's a big deal. So if I'm a dealer and I want to build a showroom, uh, you're looking at a pretty decent investment. And, and whether it's worth it or not, I think the question is from – my point of view is where do you start? Uh, do you call your suppliers and ask them for help and give them the idea that you're trying to accomplish and then see if maybe they are willing to participate? 
yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with going to your suppliers and asking for them. Um, you know, co-op is a big thing, right? If you're buying direct, um, go to them and, and ask them or go to your DC and say, Hey, I'm, this is what I'm looking about doing. They have budgets to do those kind of things and to help you out. Can I, you know, when you buy direct, you get co-op, right? You can use it for advertising, you can use it for your showrooms, you can do it for those things. Right. Don't be afraid to ask, you know, for banners or for display products and stuff like that. You know, that's another sign that you're willing to invest, that you're going to them and saying, hey, can I get this? Or can I get a, you know, can I use co-op to pay it off? I know I don't have the complete amount right now, but I, I want to get this display. Can I, can we work, you know, that down? Can you, can you kind of basically loan it to me and, uh, and I'll, as I earn co-op, you know, it'll pay for itself. So I know I'm not going to get any, but it, it's, it's paying off that. So whether it's you take one door and you put it in T-stand and you have all your samples on the wall, um, that's a, that's a, that's, you're, you're doing something, right? You're, you're, you're promoting. So you go to LiftMaster or you, you, you go to, um, to Genie or anyone and you say, hey, do you have a display that I can put in the corner? For the most part, those guys make small, nice, form displays that you can put in your showroom you can really get to know about it yeah it's not going to operate people get to come in and see it like i said see it and feel it and touch it and and know what they're buying and so i think um if it's day one and you've got a 12 by 12 uh you know showroom and you want to put something there put a door on the wall um and then put samples all on the other side uh and with the different product and, and make sure everything's uniform right if you're going to you're going to get displays make sure everything matches and it looks nice you know don't just lay it all on the floor don't take care of it make sure it's not scratched up if, if, if it's what you're going to sell with make sure that people can actually see it don't say well i i throw that in the back of my truck and it gets scratched up don't do that get a different one get bags to put them in but make sure that the representation you have whether it's one section or 20 sections or 200 doors in your showroom make sure you can show you know that product at its very best you know, if, if it's got a hole in it, it's got a big dent in it, don't show that to the customer because they're thinking, well, that's what's going to happen to my door if my kid <laughs> rollerblades into it. And and so, you know, make sure that, you know, you it looks good. Uh, you know, if you have a showroom and you have it for a while, sometimes something can get beat up. Go to your supplier and say, I need a new uh, a new section here for, for this because I need to throw this one away. Okay, great. We'll get you that. But, yeah, don't be afraid to ask them because you'd be surprised when you ask how much you get from them. I agree. I think that's great advice. Uh, you're listening to Adam Weber from A&E Door and Window with over 40 years his business has been uh, around. And for me, it's hard to find dealers that's been around that long and doing it successfully. So, Adam, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your, your wisdom and knowledge on the uh, show with us. And uh, I just wanted to uh, be able to get a a perspective from a dealer who's been around, has a great relationship. And I feel like I didn't even put the two together, but probably not a better person in the market uh, to interview for this because you are a supplier and you're a dealer. <laughs> and I didn't even, I knew that, but I didn't even think about it. So I loved your perspective, uh, very level headed approach to the whole thing. And I think it's needed right now. I think it'll definitely speak to both sides, the suppliers and the dealers. So I appreciate that. Um, and so uh, you may or may not listen to my show. I don't know, but uh, we have quick hitters. I'm going to run through these real quick and then we'll cut you loose. I know you're very busy. What type of door and motor do you have on your house? I have the Canyon Ridge five layer and I have um, the 8550W on my house. Nice. Jordan or Kobe? I'm sorry? Jordan, Michael Jordan, or Kobe Bryant for the greatest of Jordan. all Jordan. Good, good answer. Tupac or Biggie? Biggie. Uh, and did Carol Baskin kill her husband? Uh, absolutely. 100%. <laughs> no even hesitation, like, at all. Uh, all right. <laughs> Book uh, that you would recommend to fellow door guys, suppliers, whatever, uh, that they could read either for entertainment or to better themselves? Um, I don't know. I mean, well, that's a tough one. You know, I don't know.
Like, I mean, <sighs> if it's not a book, give me a movie. Your favorite? I'm sorry. Movie. G- give me a good movie. Good movie. Um, oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Top Gun fan. You know, if it was up to me, we'd already have that movie out. Ah, uh, yeah. So I remember growing up as a kid, my dad was a huge Top Gun fan. And he had Top this like, and Days surround of sound I mean, speakers, and he used to turn it way up, and we'd sit on the couch, and I swear that's the cause of, like, all my hearing issues now. But, I mean, it was so cool because it would, like, shake the house as you could hear the jets. That that was, I mean, as a kid, that's, like, one of the things that I remember. That was pretty cool. All right, my man, yeah. Adam, as always, such a good pleasure, and, um, you know, I'm going to take away some nuggets from this and uh, be able to implement even more. And I hope to see you out in New Orleans. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I look forward to talking to you uh, more uh, this weekend uh, as the Bulldogs and the Vols play. There you go. Go dogs. Yeah, go Vols. <laughs> Bye.